Welcome back to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. It's that's the fifth book in the Bible, and we've made it to chapter 28. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So Presumably, this is Moses giving still more commandments to the congregation, the children of Israel, as they've exited Africa and headed towards the promised land, or what we currently call Israel or Palestine. They haven't occupied it yet. They're on the east side of the Jordan River, getting ready to cross over the, all, over to the west side of the Jordan River, to that area, to um, colonize and occupy it. Um, and as far as the commandments that have been given... We've read some kind of seems seemingly crazy ones like the things about rape. Like if it's not it's not rape if you get raped in the in the city and you don't cry out, then that's not rape. And if you get raped in the country and do cry out, then that is rape. Or if you do get caught being a rapist, then the punishment isn't castration or the death penalty or any even jail, jail time. It's instead you have to pay the father fifty bucks and marry the victim. It's seems kind of sick but it's what's written here what we've read so far and it's what um is part of these commandments that are handed down which i can't imagine someone in this religion a female in this religion still embracing this religion um and there's many different sects of this religion this is just one of them um i can't imagine any female possibly embracing it and thinking that that's a god who's unbiased and sees everyone equally why wouldn't God be more outraged or have at least some other different standard for sexual assault than that? But it's how it reads. So let's keep reading. And this is a long chapter, so I'll try to limit my editorializing. Um, verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the people are being told if they're obedient to these different commandments, as crazy as some of them sound and as inconsistent as some of them absolutely are, um, if they're obedient to it, I'm not sure which ones they're to be obedient to since, again, they're inconsistent. Sometimes you're allowed to eat just vegetables and sometimes you're allowed to eat anything. And then sometimes you're only allowed to eat certain things. So I'm not sure which one you're supposed to be obedient to. But if you're obedient, um, then blessings are promised. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. So, and that makes a difference. Like I said, with the whole rape issue, if you're raped in the city or raped in the country, it makes a difference. One has a punishment because if you're raped in the country, then it's presumed to actually be rape and the woman gets no blame for it. Because it, according to the narrative, according to the commandment, even if she did cry out, there's no one there around who could have helped her. But if she's in the city and gets raped, if she doesn't cry out, then that's on her because, um... She's in the city and presumably someone would have helped her. We know in modern times, that's not a, a a clear standard either. There's just a couple of months ago, a woman was raped on a subway and people were all around and no one helped. People videotaped it and just stood around. That's So this, again, isn't consistent with back then or even now, but it is how it reads. Verse 4, blessed shall you be. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Oh, so that sounds like blessings for all your um, being fruitful and multiplying, whether it's your animals, your livestock, or even your crops. 
or even you, but the fruit of your body may or may not be blessed depending on how you conceive because besides the rape things with where the woman doesn't get any choice in it, um, it says in another reading that if a child is born out of wedlock, out of wedlock, and to make that plain English, if two people are mar- aren't married and have a kid, um, unwed parents, um, then they'll never enter the assembly. They're forbidden from entering the assembly of the Lord. It says. So is that really blessed of your, the fruit of your body? Oh, I guess because you aren't being faithful to that commandment. But then again, if it's rape, you didn't have a choice in it. So how's that? How figure it out how best you can. Um, verse five, blessed shall be your na- your basket and your kneading bowl. So even the things you use, your cooking instruments are going to be blessed. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. So you'll be blessed anywhere you turn. You're going out and you're coming in. You're going to be blessed if you follow these inconsistent commands. Verse seven, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. So before we keep moving, let's just check and see who is being identified as Lord here. So in this instance, one of the names of the Lord, the name of the Lord that they're um, that's being that's being addressed here or referred to here is Jehovah still. Um, so, and if I pronounce that wrong, forgive me. If I pronounce any of these things wrong, please forgive me. But just so you understand, that's one of the names of that people use as the Lord or referred to as the Lord. And it's translated to the word Lord in the Old Testament. And it's not always that same name. It changes. Um, so that lets us know either the Lord has many different names, which some religions believe the Lord does. And or it could mean that the Lord is uh, um, not a monotheistic idea, but instead um, polytheistic, many different gods that make up one God or at least more than one. And if you go by the Bible, if you go by Genesis, what it says at the beginning, at the very beginning, chapter one, it says, let us plural make man in our plural image. That's the Lord saying it to the Lord um, about creation and then those uh the creation that followed after that wasn't adam it was some other species of man that was created whether you want to believe it's angels as spiritual you know as a spiritual in a spiritual sense or if you want to just believe it in a natural sense uh um it's some sort of species of man as science would say um and then adam was created and then eve was created and then they mixed so you could get what at least nine different species from just those three different species mixing um but uh, verse seven the lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways oh sorry read that already so basically the terror of your anyone who comes against you um as an enemy to fight battle war um will flee before you um for terror the lord will be working on your side to get him out of your way verse eight the lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the lord your god is giving you so the people are being promised blessings in the promised land if they're faithful and obedient to these inconsistent commands um, verse 9, the only consistent command before we move on, 
commands, I should say, uh, from the Old Testament to the New are the Ten Commandments. And those are the original Ten Commandments that were said to be given to Moses, not once, but twice. Just ten. Not all these other statutes and ordinances that are extremely inconsistent, but just those ten. And Jesus affirms um, six or seven of those ten in the New Testament and then covers the other three with just two of those uh, love the Lord your God and the love your neighbor as yourself, um, sort of the umbrella for the other eight commandments. Um, but all these other ordinances and statutes and stuff that seems pretty crazy, it um, isn't um, consistent at all. And Jesus didn't affirm it just as a side note for us Christians. Verse nine, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So uh, the people are being admonished again and again to stay faithful to the commandments. Verse 10, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in being faithful to the Lord, the fear of the people will fall on any of the other people they come across. Verse 11, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. So again, prosperity is what's being guaranteed to the people in exchange for their faithfulness. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So more prosperity and freedom from debt is what's being promised to the people. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So again, the only consistent commandments were those ten commandments. These other commandments, from the food laws to the sexual assault stuff, don't seem consistent with a God who sees everyone equally at all to me. But if... um even beyond those, just the food laws themselves changed again and again and again. So which one of them are you really supposed to be uh, faithful to? Which command are you supposed to be faithful to? Verse 14, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. Um, so to be faithful to the one singular God is what the command is here. But even that is inconsistent also because we read just a few chapters ago where the people were commanded. Moses in particular was commanded to make a molded image and a carved image of um, I guess it would be a molded image since it's metal of um, a staff with a snake wrapped around it. And that when the people are looking for help from what they were their ailments in that case it was snake bites they were to look to that um that molded image that idol it's even got a name nehushtan um and that was to what was going to save them so even that that is inconsistent there even even that there is inconsistent inconsistent that you're not to um go after other gods because again that pole with the snake on it got a name and it's still used in modern times in medicine, like you see on an ambulance. There's a pole with a snake on it. It goes. It's it survived. 
Um, verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will upon you and overtake you. So I, um, if you're reading along with me, you can see I didn't say come upon you because um, in saying come, that makes it, that includes myself in, in the place of where it is. So it's subtle, but I don't want to be in the place of where the curses are. So I don't want to say that they'll be uh, coming upon me, but um, read it as you will. Um, if you've read with me before, you'll understand why I um, read it, but read that part to myself. Now, moving on, um, what is what's being said here is that if what was being given before is the blessings and the promises of prosperity, if the people are faithful to the commandments. But now they're getting into Moses is getting into the um, curses instead of blessings. If you're not faithful to all the different um, statutes and commandments that are given. So notice how there where the statutes got slipped in there. Previously, when we were just reading, it was blessings for following the commandments. Now it's cursings for not following the commandments and statutes. The statutes is the part that seems to have gotten tacked on later, like I've said before, by religion, by the religious ruling authorities to help uh, wrangle the people and keep them obedient to it. And the religious leaders who issued those statutes are exempt from those different commandments of different statutes um and i just think it's telling there how it went from just talking about being faithful to the commandments to suddenly now if you're not faithful to the commandments and statutes because the statutes are the sticky ones the thing, things that are completely inconsistent and that jesus not only didn't affirm but in some cases like the whole eye for an eye tooth for a tooth um uh, rationale or you know belief system of how to deal with people Jesus contradicted that and let us know as Christians you're supposed to turn the other cheek so um, that's not being consistent with the statutes but it is still being consistent with the commandments so as you can see that's just a example of um, the difference and how they're not they shouldn't be lumped in together but I again I think that's what religion did it took the Ten Commandments and then tacked on all these other things for the people to have to try to follow also but they weren't originally a part of the plan um, verse 16 curses shall you be in the city and curses shall you be in the country so now it's like the opposite of blessings now you'll get cursed wherever you go uh, wherever you go out or wherever you go in you're going to have curses hunting you down and following you verse 17 curses shall be your basket and your kneading bowl so it's basically going one by one over the previous things that you would be blessed in for being obedient now you'll be cursed for not being obedient verse 18 curses shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks so um the being fruitful and multiplying will turn out to be a curse for you and your flocks and your land if you're not faithful to the commandments and statutes verse 19 curses shall you be when you come in and curses shall you be when you go out so again coming and going you'll have curses hanging over you verse 20 the lord will send on you cursing confusion and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you're destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you've forsaken me 
So now it's gone from saying the Lord in a sort of third person sense to now saying forsaken me um, in a first person sense. Now it's the Lord instead of saying talking instead of like how when Jesus says the son of man talking about himself but in a third person sense and usually in a futuristic sense but sometimes not just in in a third person contemporary sense now the Lord has gone from saying if you obey the Lord to if you forsake me so it's a shift of let's see if it means anything Um, so far the people are being warned that if they're not faithful uh, they can expect a hard way to go verse 21 the Lord will make the plague cling to you until he's consumed you from the land which you're going to possess so now it seems the Lord is even willing not only to put curses on people but even a plague on you if you're not faithful and it says notice how it says the land you're going in to possess that's that whole uh, manifest destiny idea that the Lord has given the land to you even if people are already there on it and giving you permission to go steal it from them, massacre them, and take the land and colonize it. It's that same mentality or rationale used when America was colonized. It's the same teaching and idea that they're giving to the um, people now as they're getting ready to enter a land that also is already occupied by people, the Canaanites and others, um, but now they're being given the permission or even the order Um, according to their religious leaders by God to ignore the thou shalt not kill command even though it doesn't say that it does say go in and massacre them and I'm I'm paraphrasing that but that's the order being given to them to go in and massacre the people who are already there and take their land verse 21 which again is inconsistent with the commandment thou shalt not kill or steal verse 21 commandments verse 21 the Lord will make the plague cling to you until he's consumed you from the land which you're going to possess. So um, they won't be able to shake sickness and the plagues if they're unfaithful. Verse 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sore, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. So all sorts of disease, because you... Um, burning fever and inflammation that's generally signs of infection um but also the mildew that's like mold and mildew and other infectious things are spread that way also um basically letting them know they're going to be sick they're going to um be uh plagued with sickness for being unfaithful in the place they're going to um look for as their promised land verse 23 and your heavens which place they're going to put to um to colonize as their promised land verse 23 and your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze and the earth which is under you shall be iron so um i think it's saying that figuratively uh not literally uh turning the heavens into a heavy metal like bronze um but in a figurative sense in the sense that metal can't give you water or um, sunlight. So if your um, if your heavens are turned to something that you can't, that won't cause life, like you know growth in your crops and things, then I think that's what it's letting them know that they're gonna have a hard time. They aren't gonna get any benefit from 
the elements from the um, heaven or nature for being unfaithful. Heaven and nature, I should say. Verse 24. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From this heaven, uh, from the heaven, it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. So um, instead of having um, lush tropical weather where you could have like rainforests that can help replenish the earth and keep the air clean and keep the um, your health good, instead you'll have uh, droughts and dust storms and sort of like the Dust Bowl uh, period in America where um, it seems America might have been reaping some of its evil it did toward so many people where um, the land was turned to dust and they couldn't grow anything it scientifically I think it turned out to be um, because of the agriculture not just because of it but I think the agricultural uh, practices helped lend to it just like now where the runoff from uh, ag the agricultural industry is poisoning the water and poisoning the land from all the extra stuff added to it that drains off runs off into the water and ends up also poisoning the fish poisoning the sea life um something similar to that um, so they're also being told that the world is going to be working against them the elements are going to be working against them for their unfaithfulness verse 25 the lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies you should go out one one way against them and flee seven ways before them and you shall become troublesome excuse me And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. So basically, instead of all the blessings they could get for being faithful, instead they can look forward to a whole lot of cursings and a whole lot of hard times from every way to every which way they turn um, for being unfaithful to the commandments and statutes. Verse 26, your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. So now even the animals are going to be uh, waiting to feast on them for their unfaithfulness. And when the animals are waiting to feast on you, that means usually that you're about ready to die. Like when the vultures are circling or the eagles are circling, it means someone or something is either sick or died or about to die. And they're just waiting to feast on it. So um, similarly, they're letting them know, the uh, Moses is letting them know the uh, the animals are going to be licking their chops ready to eat, feed on the people for their unfaithfulness verse 27 the lord will strike you with the boils of egypt with tumors with scab with the scab and with the itch from which you cannot be healed so it's definitely talking about all sorts of different infections um that'll be happening to the people for their unfaithfulness starting with the tumors and boils and sort of the plagues that were um inflicted on the enslavers when the people were in Egypt because just before the exodus the um, there were like 10 plagues that were put on the people who were enslaving them in an effort to convince them to let the people go um, from the slavery but then that also leads us to more inconsistencies because 
um, it was let my people go, let my people go, let my people go until they let the people go from slavery. And then once the people were let go from slavery, the same Lord, at least according to the narrative, then turned around and told the people uh, the different rules for enslaving people and passing them down from generation to generation to your to themselves as property so that doesn't sound is not consistent at all and it absolutely doesn't sound like a lord who's unbiased or uh, shows no favoritism to anyone because if that were the case why would there be that double standard verse 28 the lord will strike you with the mad with madness and blindness and confusion of heart so all sorts of terrible things they can look forward to including things like dementia it sounds like if they're unfaithful to the commandments and statutes. Verse 29, And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. So they're going to be in desperate straits, trying to even see their way through the horror, but not be able to, but just groping like uh, visually impaired people, not able to see which way to go. Verse 30, you shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but shall not gather its grapes. So it sounds like whatever prosperity the people look to receive, whether it be marriage or property or land, uh, as soon as they acquire it, they don't get to enjoy it. It's going to be snatched away from them and given to someone else to enjoy. Just like how when the people were in the wilderness for those 40 years and they would get testy and sometimes because they were, you know, hungry or thirsty, which is natural. They'd get hangry, apparently, in modern terms and get messy. And then what would happen? The Lord would massacre them. And I'm saying Lord because that's how it's identified in the narrative as the Lord. Not that I believe it's the Lord God Almighty, but it's how it reads. So that's I'm saying it so you can remember um, so then in those instances, in one of those cases, the people were hungry and um, basically begging for food, crying out for um, Moses to give them something to eat more than just that manna. And remember, the people were eating manna, but the religious elite were eating meat. They were still getting sacrifices from the people and sacrifices read like barbecue. So although the people were eating manna, which at first they were grateful for, they quickly got tired of that, or they at some point they got tired of it and wanted meat. And then when they cried out for it and, uh, enough, it says the Lord gave them meat, um, birds, you know, poultry to eat. But before they could even chew it, the Lord struck out at them again and massacred them for even craving the meat. that uh, They had to witness the religious leaders eating. So uh, it's... It just seems really inconsistent, but it is how it reads, so let's keep reading. Verse 31. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from before you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have no one to rescue them. So it's talking about they'll be plundered. They're going to be looted and plundered of everything it is they value. Um including their livestock verse 32 your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long and there shall be no strength in your hand 
So um, the people are going to be heartbroken and depressed at watching the loss of their children, their livestock, and their lands. And uh, it's all for their unfaithfulness according to what's being said here. Verse 33. A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. So uh, the punishment for being unfaithful is harsh. It's going to be thorough and harsh no matter where they turn. They're going to be conquered and trampled on and abused for their unfaithfulness. Verse 34, so you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. So the dementia, the madness will overcome the people for their um, unfaithfulness as a punishment for their unfaithfulness. Verse 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils, which cannot be healed, and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. So more physical ailments and um, and disease will occupy the people. I'm sorry, will um, will spread among people if they um, for their unfaithfulness. Verse 36, the Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known and there you shall serve other gods wood and stone so now it seems either this is a prophecy that um, the people for their unfaithfulness would be um, conquered and then uh, led away captive by other nations which if it's a prophecy it came true or if it's um, rewriting history like we've seen examples of it before where it seems that religious authorities at some point later went back and added bits and pieces to the narrative and so maybe that's what's happened here where either like I said either it's prophecy or they've gone back and looked at the history of the people and then decided to add this in as the reasoning why they were um, uh, conquered and um, and um, taken captive to other places and putting it on their disobedience and their unfaithfulness um, well, whichever way it's, it happened, and we're going to read, God willing, we'll get to read about it as we keep reading through this Old Testament. Verse 37, and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Lord will drive you. So they'll also, not only will they be taken captive to, captive to other places and suffer the diseases and the losses of their lands and their livestock, but when they're taken captive, the people who take them captive are going to basically mock them and, um, and uh, you know, let them have it and mark them as a proverb, as in, like, um, I, I can't even think of the word, like a, a moral of the story, or they're going to be marked down, go down in history as um, an example of what not to do in, in the sense of the unfaithfulness. Verse 38, you shall carry much seed out of the field, out to the field, but gather little in, for the locusts shall consume it. So even when they try to plant uh, seeds, because they have plenty of them, so even when they go to do agricultural, prosper agriculturally, they will, but, um, you know, they'll have a bumper crop, but they aren't going to get to enjoy it. The locusts are going to eat it up. Verse 39, you shall plant vineyards and tend them. But you shall not neither drink 
of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. So they'll be prosperous. They'll have a bumper crop of vineyards. I'm sorry, of grapes in their vineyard to make wine or to um, do other things with. But they aren't going to get to enjoy them either any more than they got to enjoy the other crops that they had, the seeds. Instead, nature's going to get to eat them and enjoy them, the worms. Verse 40, you shall have olive trees, olive trees throughout all your territory. But you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. So the trees will even bear their fruit. But they aren't going to get to enjoy them either. The olives are going to drop off. And presumably the animals will get to eat them too. Verse 41. You shall beget sons and daughters. But they shall not be yours. For they shall go into captivity. So they'll even be fruitful and multiply. But what they produce even of their own bodies. Won't be theirs to enjoy either. Instead they'll be taken away captive. In other words enslaved by other people. And again that also did happen. God willing we'll get to those um, stories also in the Old Testament verse 42 locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land so nature is going to be working against them Um, however whatever they try there'll be something working against them whether it be the land not um, uh, whether it be the land producing the fruit but the animals eating it or the heavens preventing them from being able to uh, even have a bumper crop or anything like that everything is going to be against them in other words verse 43 the alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you and you shall come and you shall down lower and lower so I had to catch myself there on that word but for the same reason read it out loud if you like feel free but what is what's being said there is that so remember that when they were freed from slavery, um, they left Egypt, they fled Africa and headed toward um, Canaan now, and um, but they didn't leave alone. Other people who were around them also left. Other Egyptians and other um, people who were in the area also saw the signs and left also with them so it was called a mixed multitude so now what it's saying here that's what i believe they're talking about when it refers to an alien here i mean it could be talking about it like an outer space alien also but what it's talking about i believe in this instance is that um the foreigner the um just like in america there are what they call illegal aliens um will end up outnumbering them they're going to rise higher and higher above them and um, they will decrease in power. The congregation will decrease in um, status while the alien, the foreigner who's among them is going to increase in power and stature. Verse 44, he shall t- lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. So um, instead of being debt free, they're going to be consumed with debt and not only debt, but debt to the people who are foreigners so it wouldn't be like they'll be able to be free of it every seven years or 50 years the year of jubilee um that whole system that was set up of um forgiving debts they won't be able to even do that because it'll be foreign debt that they owe verse 45 moreover all these curses shall upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the lord your god to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you so again the statutes are being 
tacked on with the commandments as being what the Lord would have the people follow. And um, if they're unfaithful to them, um, they're being told they got curses waiting on them. Verse 46, and they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. So now that's another one of those forever statutes that if the people are unfaithful, then not only are they going to pay for it, but their children's children, their descendants are also going to pay for it. And in that sense, it, it, um, if you do think of the religion as under an umbrella, then some people will probably use that rationale to say that that's how come the, um, there's no peace in the Middle East now in so many senses. Why the land is still disputed now. Why people still, uh, I think I even saw a, there was a, a bombing just last night before I went to bed where it's still unrest and uh, war going on there now, even though it's more of a, I guess it wouldn't be a cold war, probably a lukewarm war, where every now and then it seems there are bombings and craziness. And some people will believe that this is the root of it because the people were unfaithful to the different commandments and statutes um, back then so that because of that, their descendants are paying for it even now. Verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. So because they were unfaithful to the commandments and also because they were unwilling to serve with joy and gladness of heart for all the abundance. So because they were blessed with prosperity and even going to occupy and colonize the promised land, but then turned to be unfaithful because of that, that seems to also play into the um, price that's going to be paid by them and their descendants um, for their unfaithfulness. Verse 48, Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke on you of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. So um, not only will they have to deal with the enemies um, who are there in the land where they're going to, who they're going in to dispossess and colonize, massacre and colonize. But also it says that the Lord will also send enemies against them. So um, like the Babylonians, for instance, or the uh, Assyrians, for instance, I guess are uh, just a couple of examples of the other ones who are going to be, um, who they're going to end up going to war against. Um, in the Old Testament, and in in some cases being taken captive, defeated and taken captive by. Um, so all of it was basically foretold that if they were unfaithful, those things would happen. Then they ended up being unfaithful, and those things happened. Verse forty nine: The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. From the end of the earth as swift as the eagle flies. A nation whose language you will not understand. So um, I think when it says from the end of the earth. Either that's still believing that the earth is flat. And um, and um, and so that it has ends like that and isn't round. So there actually isn't really an end. It's kind of contiguous. Or it's um, just speaking figuratively that from way far away people will make their way to that area just to fight against them and in a sense that also partly came true again the Babylonians 
ended up making their way there and taking some of the people captive, most of the people captive, as did other kingdoms that uh, warred against them. But it wasn't really from the end of the earth. It was like, in some cases, a few hundred miles away. Um, and I guess even further in modern times where, you know, like with, when you consider the Holocaust and what that did, killing millions and millions of people, um, that, that was from a further off place. But even that wasn't that much further off because Europe, Germany isn't that far away as far as the ends of the earth. But so I think it's really just talking figuratively that from way off and nearby, they're going to have enemies against them wherever they turn. Let's see. Um, Verse 50, a nation of fierce countenance which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young. So um, letting them know people of a different culture are going to end up um, uh, going against them in war and overtaking them. And again, I think it's pointing to the Babylonians and the Assyrians, or it could be talking about anyone at all since then, because this was thousands and thousands of years before Jesus's ministry on earth, which itself was even 2000 almost 2000 years ago so um in all of those thousands and thousands of years lots of different people have gone up against that part of the world and even now it's still being fought over um by people um uh, um close by and not so much afar but in recent history even afar off and just on a side note it seems to me that's one more reason that um, to let people know it's ridiculous to be anti-Semitic and think that Jewish people control everything. If you really, really believe Jewish people control everything, then why wouldn't Jewish people have already been able to take in possession of that part of the land and put it to rest after all this time and just completely crush the enemy and just put an end to that and claim it and have it as their own? By now, it's obviously not the case that they that any one nation of people just controls everything if you do look toward look for someone who's pulling strings and controlling everything it's not the jewish people it's uh the wealthy the only truly protected minority in the world the ultra wealthy that's who gets to pull strings and call shots no matter who it affects whether it be the earth the air, the water, the whatever, that's who really gets protected in the world. Verse 50, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young, and they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave, your, leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you so letting them know they're going to be completely wiped out by their enemies taking everything that's theirs and again as a repayment for their unfaithfulness verse 52 they shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land which the lord your god has given you so it's saying that the Lord is giving them those lands and gates to protect them and cord them off. But it's also saying that if they're on, uh, if they're disobedient, the Lord will also send enemies against them who will allow, who will be uh, who will conquer them and crush those gates and um, take over the land. 
And again, it seems some of those things have happened. Um, but uh, verse 53, you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. So they're even being warned that if they're unfaithful, they'll get so desperate that they'll um, end up turning to cannibalism. And we know that also came true in the Old Testament. And it's also something Jesus warns about in the New Testament when he talks about the end times. And um, and we read that just the, on our Saturday readings uh, just recently where Jesus talks about the end times and the end that the disciples will face and the end of the world, basically, as you know, the apocalypse as we think of it and how... Um, um, how um, it is, I think it was woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days and I think that that was the reason because that's who the people ended up eating when they got desperate in the Old Testament the newborns, the babies, the placenta all of that became lunch because people were desperately hungry and didn't have anything else to eat um, and it's what they're being warned about here that that's what's going to happen they're going to be um, uh, desperate even for food and so desperate they'll eat each other verse 54 the sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother toward the wife of his bosom and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind so it says even the sensitive caring man so like a uh what you might call a beta male in modern times even though in reality a man who's just caring and sensitive is an ideal man but it's saying even that um, not bloodthirsty man, that's I think is what it's basically saying. Some not your brute type guy, but your caring, sensitive, art loving, um, indoors type of guy is even going to be turned against and be hard hearted toward the people around him. Verse 55, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates so that's what it's saying that even the softer guys are more gentle natured guys gentlemen gentlemen that's what it is gentlemen will even be uh, so desperate in those times that they're going to eat their children and they're going to not only eat their children they're going to eat their children voraciously to the point that they're not even going to be willing to share a finger a toe or a leg with anyone else because they're just that desperate for food and again we're going to God willing we get to that point where we read about those same instances when they ended up happening to the people um, the, these different prophecies or warnings end up coming true and the people do end up turning to cannibalism and um, that's what they're being warned about here that even not just the bloodthirsty warrior is going to be willing to eat whatever he has to eat to survive but even the gentleman is going to get desperate and do what he has to do to feed his stomach even if it means eating his children verse 56 the tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter so now it's talking about a lady not just like um, a roughneck chick or some street woman or some country woman who um, is used to having to go out and hunt her own food or 
do what she has to do to eat, but instead the delicate lady who maybe lives in the castle and doesn't even put her bare foot on the ground is going to even turn from all of that delicateness and sensitivity and even turn on her own husband and children. But why will she do that? Verse 57, because uh, here's why her placenta, which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. So that's what's going to turn the lady into a average woman, a woman who's going to do what she has to do to eat. She's going to even refuse the children she births and their and the placenta that comes out after them. She's going to refuse all of that to her husband and to her other kids so that she can have something to eat. It's going to be just that desperate. The times are going to be just that hard for them that they're going to result to cannibalism to that extent where they're eating their newborn kids and the placenta too, not letting any of it go to waste because they're desperate and have nothing to eat. And in modern times, um, people have taken to doing that also, but out of uh, health reasons, I guess, where they will give birth to their children and now eat the placenta as sort of a nutrient base for themselves and I guess to enrich the breast milk for the child. Um, that's a pretty dedicated woman, but it, it's 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 what people do. Only back then they they're being warned that they're going to be doing that not to follow some um, trend of um, health kick, but instead out of desperation because they aren't going to have anything else to eat, so they're going to be forced to eat their babies and the placenta and whoever else they can just to make it. And it brings to mind the whole Donner Party where they ended up having to turn to cannibalism to survive because times are just that desperate for them verse 58 if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book that you may fear this glorious and awesome name the lord your god so they're being warned at last that if they aren't faithful to these commandments that they're being given that um that's what they have to look forward to and they're and let me see, I'm just looking. And the Lord, your thy God, the Lord is still being uh, translated from the word, a name Jehovah. And God is from Elohim, which is plural for uh, gods. Uh, so again, if, if you believe the Bible, there is, uh, God is plural. I don't know how else you can say it. Even from Genesis 1, it's not just a singular God. Even if you want to think of it as, God as in God the Father and Jesus God the Son there's at least um, uh, that example of um, Elohim so that it's not just uh, one but um, the Lord being addressed plurally and I don't know how else clear to say it but um, they're being told be faithful or face all those different horrors. Verse 59 then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues great and prolonged plagues and serious and prolonged sicknesses so um that flies in the face of what we read earlier that um the children aren't going to pay for the sins of their parents um and yet you see here if they're unfaithful they're being told that generations of their children are going to pay for their sins so one more inconsistency but 
it is hard to read, so let's keep reading. Oh, and so one other thing about that. Some people will use that as an explanation for why there's still unrest in that area because the people originally were unfaithful. But then if that's the case, at what point does that curse get broken where uh, when people are faithful again or at some point, um, say like when they return to the area after they've been exiled, does that break the curse? Does that get a fresh start or what? But um, let's keep reading. Verse 60, moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you. So again, the different plagues that happened when they were in Egypt, that um, the boils and the different things that happened, the locusts and the frogs, all those different things, they're being told they're going to um, uh, descend on them for their unfaithfulness. Verse 61, also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law until the Lord bring Oh, I'm sorry, will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed? Will the Lord upon you until you are destroyed? So let him know that all the different curses and things that are written here and um, and you know, uh, some more on top of them are going to befall the people for being unfaithful. Verse 62, you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So we've seen they've gone through at least two census counts so far. And um, at one of those counts, the people were up to at least 600,000 men alone. And only men of a certain age, not even counting all the males. So, um, And that's just the men. It didn't even count the females, the women, and the children. So you know it's a huge multitude of people. And a mixed multitude of people. But they're being told... Forget all that. If you're unfaithful, you're going to be left few in number, basically wiped out. Verse 63, and it shall be that just as the Lord rejected, I'm sorry, just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. Let me read this again. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you, to do you good and multiply you so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to nothing and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess so they're being told just like they received all sorts of different blessings along the way if they're unfaithful count on all the curses and the destruction that will follow for their unfaithfulness so just as faithful as the Lord was to bless them the Lord will be just as faithful to the curses if the people are not obedient. Verse 64, Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. So again, with the wood and stone is pointing to idols, what they are, what they identify as idols, but what other people in the world identify as their gods, their religion. Um, they're being, the people are being told, if they aren't faithful to the Lord who's um, been uh, their guide to this point, then um, what's going to happen is they're going to be taken captive to other people who have other gods, other religions, and then that's what they're going to end up serving and having to be faithful to whether they want to or not. Um, because um, and then 
some people some people describe that as the diaspora that that was meant to happen so that they could be dispersed around the world and so that the bloodlines could also be ex- dispersed and intermingled with other people and truly fulfill that making that promise of of the people being made as the stars of the heavens that many in multitude so in that sense the a blessing a silver lining to the curse that yeah they were left few in number but they were dispersed so widely that then they ended up mixing with other races and nations of people so in that sense continued the bloodline and continued to increase verse 65 and among those nations you shall find no rest nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place but there the lord will give you a trembling heart failing eyes and anguish of soul so they're being told not only will they be taken captive to other places uh, but they aren't going to find peace there either they're still going to be have a hard time they're going to have a hard time uh, whether they stay there in the promised land or whether they get carried away captive to some other place wherever they go they're going to have a hard time it's the curse will follow them verse 66 your life shall hang in doubt before you you shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life so nothing but uncertainty will be there uh, on their menu wherever they go uh and again because of the disobedience to the um things that Moses has laid out for them the and the religion has laid out for them to follow verse 67 in the morning you shall say oh that it were evening and in the evening you shall say oh that it were morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see so um i know people like that at least one person like that who hates their job or hated his job so much that uh whenever monday would roll around they'd say oh i wish it was friday and then when friday would roll around uh when then when finally finally when friday finally rolls around uh, you barely get to enjoy it because then monday's right back there again so it's um misery basically and not being satisfied with whatever is going on because every everywhere you turn every day you wake up you're confronted with the misery and discontent st- discontented state of your existence verse 68 and the lord will take you back to egypt in ships by the way of which i said to you you shall never see it again and there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves but no one will buy you so they're being told the people are being told if they're unfaithful to the lord who has delivered them from enslavement if they get to the promised land and say get the big head and decide to not be faithful anymore then what's going to happen is even though they were told no you shall not return back to egypt because remember during the 40 years of wilderness the 40 wilderness years of um the people many times at least more than one time they chose they wanted to turn back the wilderness years were so hard and trying on the people that they were willing to go some of them were willing to return to being slaves again rather than continue through the wilderness for those 40 years so uh, but they were told no you can't go back no you can't go back no you can't go back order do not go back but now they're being told if they're unfaithful and disobedient they will be um heading back there to where they were slaves and um not only that they're going to get there and then return to be slaves again enslaved again only no one's going to want them so that has to be extra horrible to uh, not only be forced labor but forced labor that no one will even take terrible 
But it's what's being laid out to them um, as the consequences if they decide to be disobedient to the statutes and commandments that have been laid out for them to this point. And this point is the end of our reading because that's the end of the chapter. As always, I thank you for joining me and I hope the naked truth is a blessing for you and I hope you'll join me again. Stay safe. God bless you. Peace be with you. I'll see you next time.